0: On this episode of This Week in Linux, we cover some new releases from Linux Mint, Shotwell, GIMP, and Redcore Linux. Elementary announces a developer preview for their next release based on Ubuntu 18.04, codenamed Juno. CadenLive issued a request this week to the community for beta testing of the next generation of CadenLive Video Editor. We do a follow-up on the EU's copyright reform directive, and this time it's good news. Well, at least for now. We discuss the SUSE acquisition by EQT, Ubuntu Studio issued a new cool guide for audio production on Linux. And later in the show, we take a look at what is coming for Zubuntu 18.10. All that and much more coming up. I'm Michael Tanell with Touch Digital, and this is your weekly source for Linux news. Before we get started, I just wanted to issue a thank you to all of the patrons for their help make this show possible. It's, it's amazing, and... Your contributions allow me to spend more time on the channel and I appreciate that so much. I also wanted to thank all the awesome people who became patrons yesterday during the live stream. That is just amazing. As a small token of my appreciation, I just wanted to let you know that I created discount codes for Touch Digital merchandise. So if you've been wanting to get the Linux is Everywhere t-shirt or anything that el- anything else that comes up in the future, then you can use these codes to get a discount on the order. So if you're, look, if you're looking to get one of those, then you just, you know, it's a great time to do that now. Uh, you can find the discount codes at TouchedZill.com Patreon. Up first in the show this week is Linux Mint 19 Terra was released. And this is an LTS release based on Ubuntu 18.04. It has security updates to 2023, similar to uh, Ubuntu's 18.04 LTS and it has a lot of interesting things that we've already talked about in a previous episodes so i'm not going to go into like the full details of everything because we've already we've already gone through that a couple times so in in that case you can check out episode 28 29 and 20 to get more information about linux mint updates but to talk about a couple things for example the they have a new welcome screen, which is really cool because they have a lot a lot, lot of changes that made it much more much more useful. It was kind of like a like a basic little splash page thing, but now it's actually like much more useful. They've added support for Flatpak in the Software Manager, which is pretty cool. If you don't really like Flatpak, that's kind of a issue because the software manager kind of depends on Flatpak. So if you try to dis- to remove Flatpak, the software manager will it will actually try to remove software manager as well. So just keep that in mind, and there's got updates to Cinnamon 3.8 and Mate 1.20, and probably like the most interesting thing that came with this new ver- this new release is the support for time shift to do uh, incremental snapshots when you do updates from the update manager. So instead of doing the one through five tier levels of updates, which is problematic because it made people kind of worried about updating certain things, which would create them, make them not install security updates, which is not a good thing, obviously. So this is a much better solution of being able to provide a update system where if something goes wrong, you could roll back, but if it works fine, you could just keep using the same thing. And it's, it's an interesting way of working around the previous issue. Uh, but before we end on this topic, I want to point out that There is technically an ability to update from 18.3 to 19. However, it is currently not working because of a package. uh, The Mesa package from uh, Ubuntu 16.04 and 18.04 are not compatible because the one in 16.04 is more up to date than the one in 18.04 due to some backport releases and updates. So there's kind of a weird issue right now where you can't upgrade from 18.3 of Mint to 19. But there will be the ability to do that in the future once they solve that that particular issue. Or perhaps when the Ubuntu 18.04.1 comes out, that might also make, may help that out a little bit. So if you do are using 18.3 and you want to use 19, you have to do a fresh install now or just wait a little while so that you can do the upgrade at that point. Uh, I would suggest just waiting a little bit because if you're comfortable using an LTS, which Mint is based on LTS, you might as well just wait a couple weeks or so because that's probably roughly around the time it's going to take to get it fixed. So, anyway, Linux Mint 19 is available if you're interested. uh, Check the link in the show notes. Up next in the show is Elementary OS Juno Beta, or the 5.0 release beta. So, this is an interesting situation because they're, they're announcing a developer preview. And Elementary is a very popular distribution, so a lot of people wanted to try it out. But this is a developer preview specifically so that uh, third party developers and like technical users who do uh, you know uh, quality assurance or beta testing and things like that would be able to use it and try it out and submit fixes or you know submit bug reports and things like that to help the development for the f- full release of elementary juno now this just say this is to say that a lot of the things that are they're coming in elementary are available but there are a few things that have known bugs so for example there's you know there's there's actually very not many things that are populated in the app Store or the app center so when you load it up you'll you'll notice there's quite a few uh, applications missing and they're they're, and they're saying overall just if you're Wanting to try it out, be sure to do it in only in a virtual machine or in a hard drive or PC that you have as an, ex, an extra so you don't worry about messing up any existing installs. But what's cool about the Elementary Juno is it's coming with a lot of interesting, cool features. They, Of course, they've had like, great design and they've improved a variety of different aspects to it. So they've improved their color palette, making things more unified with like icon styling and things like that. They've closed over 160 uh, bugs uh, and issued patches and fixes and things like that. And this one is getting uh, improvements to a variety of different applications, including the files a file manager. Uh, they're replacing the scratch editor with code. They're cre- They're turning it. They text the text pad editor into a text or into a. That's a weird way to say because text editor is also a coding thing. So they're taking a notepad application, turning it into a text editor slash coding software, and making giving a lot of improvements and many many features. So that's pretty cool. I'm looking forward to try that. They're also adding a report a pro- report a problem dialog in the system settings. What's really cool about this is that not like in some cases when you do a rep- bug report for a project of any kind of distro or whatever, they don't really especi- like specify what exactly you're getting you're submitting the bug report for, and you have to figure out what the packages are named and things like that, where this is going to help you figure out what part of elementary that you're trying to submit a bug report for. So it's like trying to automatically figure out those things, and then it will say, uh, it'll point you to the correct section of the GitHub to submit the report there. So that's a really, really cool idea. So if you're wanting to test out elementary, be sure to check out uh, the show notes for this episode. Well, i will have a link to the the Medium post that Elementary made about this release and uh, let me know what you think and especially let them know what you think because that's that's the point of the preview. CADEN Live's uh, issued a request for beta testing. So there's a new version of CADEN Live coming out, the the next gen, I guess, is the 18.08 version of CADEN Live is coming out in August, you know, August 8, 2018. Anyway, so that one's going to come with a lot of new features and a huge update to the back end core infrastructure that builds that makes Kaden live. So they've like the timeline's being restructured. The the effect system is being restructured. There's so much stuff coming. So the Kaden live team has a, has asked for testing so people who w- were would like to try out the beta version, you know, keep in mind it is beta. There are some known issues. I'll get to those in a second, but this is is, there's a lot of cool stuff coming and as a i'm a fan of caden live i've been using it for quite a long time every episode of this show has been edited in caden live there's there's quite a quite a few things that are really awesome about caden live and there's a few things that are um you know it could be better thankfully in the next version i have tested it a lot of these things have been fixed or improved so i am looking forward to the full final release and I will be contributing some beta testing for them as well. So one of the things that I think is really cool is that they've made it where it's the the clips will be automatically separating the audio and video, so that if you'd like to edit the audio separately from the video, you can do that, or vice versa. So that's that's a really, really cool idea. Now, I think the really the best thing for people who have never used KadenLive before but are used to using something else, they've built this new keyboard layout, um, importing system so you can install keyboard layouts from other um, video editing software in a, like a single click you know so you can just install the desktop shortcuts that you're used to from your previous editor and then make Kdenlive live work the way that you are already used to using that is really cool and there's been a lot of co- other cool things that have been fixed in, in like there's um there's a rotation issue that was one of the rotation effects wasn't working properly. They fixed that. So, like this you got to try it if you haven't if you if you if you want to do any kind of video editing, I think Kdenlive is probably the best uh, overall powerful uh, video editor for Linux, uh definitely in the open source world. You could argue like for other ones that are more the proprietary versions, but the as far as open source go, Kdenlive is is my preference. Now, the things that are not working right now is some composition settings are not working on not updating on resizing Uh, curves effect is not working which is like a color control thing but definitely the most important thing to note is that the project files from previous versions of caden live like the 17.12 or the 18.04 are not compatible with a new version yet of the 18.08 so in the future that they've said that they are working to make that possibility but right now if you are going to test it you have to test it with a new project because the old projects will not work at the time. But anyway, I am looking forward to trying out this m- more. I've already played with it a little bit but I, you know, I typically edit in the stable version cuz that makes the most sense. But anyway, if you're if you do try it out, let me know what you what you think and of course as uh, again, let the project know what you think because that's the point of a beta test. Up next in the show is GIMP released version two point ten point four, and this is a nice release that is it's a iterative release of the latest version of GIMP, which is a, a very, very much a, a welcomed update from the previous version. So, not not that in this particular two point eight versus two point ten, anyway. GIMP now has a lot of improvements to performance. They've, in, 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 they've updated the font, render, loading the fonts to a more pa- a parallel process so that it will dynamically improve the start time for GIMP. So it used to be having to wait to load all of the fonts. So you, when you loaded GIMP, you'd have that little progress bar that goes across. And it might take a little while for it to load all the fonts, depending on how many fonts you have. Now it will load GIMP separate from the fonts, so that the fonts will... GIMP will still load them and the windows will show up and then the font will still in the background be loading depending on how many fonts you have. Cause some people who are uh, designers and stuff would have like potentially hundreds, maybe even thousands of fonts. So it would, depending on how many you have, it could make GIMP load very slowly and now they're taking that, they're fixing that part. So now that GIMP will load separately and still have the fonts loading in the background. So that's really cool. Another thing they added is a recursive transform tool. And it, well, not added, but they've improved it. But now it allows for multiple transforms to be applied simultaneously. So it used to be, if you want to do a transform, you would do a transform, then do another transform, another transform, and each one of those became a sequence. But now you can say, do all of these once, and if you control Z, you just remove you know, all at the same time. So that's really cool, because it's more efficient. And they've added a new Selective Hue Saturation tool, available in the workshop which allows you to choose a hue, like a base hue, and then kind of like move a slider back and forth to to adjust the hues around that base hue. So you could say, I want to use this particular color, and then anything that's similar to that color have a different shade based on the original color. That's really cool because it, it, it makes it a lot easier to make similar adjustments without having to change a lot. So very cool. Um, if you're interested in checking out GIMP two point ten point four, check the link in the show notes. Up next in the show is Gentoo's GitHub repo was compromised and there was a hacker g- gained attacked uh, right, an attacker gained access to the password of an organization administrator for the GitHub of organization for Gentoo. Now this sounds a lot worse than it really is, so I just wanted to put this in the show to let you know that there are some articles that talk about how, you know, Linux is insecure or Gentoo's is insecure or other stuff, based on the idea that the GitHub was compromised. Now, unfortunately, the way it was compromised was kind of un- was kind of a poor infrastructure setup, in that the administrator's password scheme was apparently. There was a disclosure on us on a particular site, and it revealed the password of that person. And that password was a guessable scheme of other pages. So they went through the process of trying to figure out what that password would be for GitHub, and they figured it out. So, unfortunately, that is a um, mistake made by one of the administrators for, Git for Gentoo. But they were able to correct it thanks to the help with, of GitHub, and they uh, they've made a, quite a few changes since doing this. So they've they've now implemented uh, a new requirement for the users of, of the uh, the administrators for having different security aspects, including having two factor th- authentication for their access to the GitHub organization for Gen Two. Uh, but overall, it's not that big of a deal because. Gentoo's infrastructure is not based on GitHub, so the GitHub repo is, is technically a mirror, even though they weren't mirroring from another Git, they were just hosting the codes also on GitHub, so it was a mirror in like the broad sense of a mirror. It wasn't like an interconnected mirror, so everything that happened on the GitHub didn't it didn't actually affect the Gentoo.org Git uh, Portage system or anything like that. So overall. It's unfortunate it happened, but it's not as big as a deal as some news outlets are trying to make it seem like it is. So, this it's it is something that you should know that happened if you are a Gentoo user, but overall not really that big of a deal, but still kind of interesting too because, you know, even if you're an expert, you know, developer or administrator for a one of the, you know, more I guess hardcore type distros, um, it's even those people can make make the, you know, simple mistakes that could end in something like this. But they only made it for a service or website that they don't really use anyway, and it doesn't make that much of a difference. So still okay, but if you'd like to read more about what happened and how Gentoo handled it in the, the reports, they provided a very in-depth report explaining what happened, how it ha- how it happened, how they were able to mitigate it, the conversations they had back and forth with GitHub and things like that. It's really interesting if you are interested in that kind of thing, so uh check the show notes for that. So from one topic that sound that was presented to be bad, it's actually not so bad. To another topic that is somewhat presented to be good, and also not so good. Like it's okay, it's it's improvement, but still there's a little bit we still need to pay attention to this topic anyway. But for now, the EU has rejected the copyright directive that was for the copyright reform. Uh, essentially, we talked we talked about in a previous episode that was show that was showing that they were trying to change a lot of things for the bad, creating the link tax of having to pay to uh, show tweets and things on your on your blog post and things like that, or like the upload filter requirement so that you'd have every single. ...website that allowed for uploading... ...would have to filter content in every way... ...which is, you know, impossible... at this it, ...even small scales... Is in, ...it's incredibly hard... ...but in large scale it's pretty much impossible... ...you know, things like that... Uh, ...that has, thankfully... ...for the moment, has been rejected... ...in EU Parliament... ...where they voted... ...278 to do it... ...and 318 against it... ...so that's a very close... ...comparison there was like 25 or so that like abstained from voting at all but there's like it's kind of like not 50-50 but it's close like it's there it's it was really close but they also just voted against the current draft it's possible that they might redraft this insane law to ruin the internet but hopefully for now uh, they've hopefully they've decided that, that it's a bad idea and they've realized the error of their ways and don't do it but at this point who knows If you'd like to learn more about what this law was going to do, I cover it more in depth in a previous episode, so check that out. I'll have a link in the show notes for that. Now, the good thing about it is that they've rejected it. The bad thing about it is that some of the people who voted against it did so only because they found out what the law was or what they were trying to do because the internet was outraged and fought against it. They didn't even read the law, and they didn't know what it was, was going to do, and they didn't understand how, how horrible the things that they were trying to do in the reform would be for the Internet until the Internet told them that it was horrible. Ugh. So, they rejected it, which is good. They didn't understand it, which is bad. It's still not gone because they may redraft it. It's also bad and not good, you know. So anyway, at least for this particular battle, we've the internet is not in danger anymore from this section. I mean there there are other places and other countries that are totally trying to destroy the internet, which seems like a fad now, but hopefully that ends. Up next in the show is Shotwell zero point two nine point three was released and this comes with a, a quite a few bug fixes and things like that like they fixed the OAuth 2 token from fetching Google logins, uh, introducing the Flatpak infrastructure, which is pretty cool. And they fixed some slideshow settings and dialog features and stuff like that. But the reason I want to talk about it in this particular episode is that they've added a feature for face recognition in your photos. So this is pretty cool. So you can tag people in your photos by using the face recognition software that's built into Shotwell so that you can organize people uh, organize photos based on the people who are in those photos. So that's a pretty cool feature, and uh, I'm I'm interested in checking that out. If you are too, let me know what you think in the comments below, and uh, you can check the link in the show notes. Up next in the show is Ubuntu Studios' free guide to audio production. This is a really cool thing that the Ubuntu Studio team is working on. Uh, Peter, repert, repert. I'm not repert. I'm I'm not. I probably said that wrong. Sorry if I did. Feel free to correct me in the comments or send me an email or something, and I will try to say it better next time. But uh, Peter wrote a, a great guide about audio production on Ubuntu Studio. It's it's for It's targeting musicians regardless of what level they are. So what's really cool about it is that it goes through the processes of like um, explaining what the book is and things like that, but uh, every piece of this is like super um, in depth. So you got like how to use Jack and how to use different things of different instruments for different um, software based on the type of instrument. So there's guitarics, we've talked about that in the past, and they they go in depth about how to use that. Then you have recording for musicians through, through different software. You have like VST con- uh, plugins that they talk about for various different things, like using Carla, which is a related project to Jack. And they talk about mixing and mastering and like so many things they cover in this. So if you're whether you are a beginner and you're looking for like a full in-depth handbook about how to do audio production on Linux, or you've ar- you've already done it for a very long time, you still might find something very useful in this because they cover a lot of stuff. So I think this is definitely worth checking out if you're interested in it. Next up in the show is Bodhi Linux 5.0.0's release candidate was announced. And this is a the new version of Bodhi Linux that has a lot of um, updates. It's more of an incremental release, but it has a, a lot of big changes in the back end. Uh, but one of the things that I like about it is that they've made a custom colorized version of Arc Dark with the Bodhi Green approach. So it looks pretty cool now. So if you've never heard of Bodhi Linux, let's talk about that first. Bodhi Linux is an Ubuntu-based distribution that has the Moksha, I think it's Moksha, desktop environment, which is a fork of Enlightenment 17, or E17, and they maintain Moksha separately because uh, Enlightenment decided to take off like a different branch of what they wanted to work on. So uh, the Moksha provides the people who wanted to use continue to use E17. A maintained version of that desktop environment. So Bodhi Linux maintains Moksha as well as provides a Ubuntu distribution with Moksha for both 64-bit and 32-bit ISOs. Now they've also updated some some nice um, designs. For example, they did this, like a new wallpaper, uh, updated the splash screens and the login screens and things like that. But probably the most important thing about this particular release is that this is the The release candidate for the version that is based on 18.04 for Ubuntu, so all the packages and the core are being updated heavily. So if you are a fan of Enlightenment or E17 and you would like to try out an Ubuntu flavor that uses that environment, then Bodhi Linux is definitely worth checking out. Although it is a release candidate, so technically it's not a full release, but it's pretty close. So, you know, proceed with caution but it, not as much caution as the other ones that were all beta and stuff like that. There's an announcement by EQT that they have now acquired the SUSE, SUSE Linux, and all the associated software. They have purchased SUSE from Microfocus International, and EQT, if you've never heard of it, is a Swedish private equity group which is kind of probably like a good idea for Susa overall. They've announced that they're not going to be moving changing much at all from OpenSusa as far as like, you know, how things are working from like the purchase is not going to be changing the way it's maintained or the business changes or anything like that. This is just more of uh, EQT is going to be the new the new parent owner and also potentially providing, you know, some financial backing for the company of Susa. One thing that's it is, that is changing that's really interesting is that previously Microfocus treated Susa as a subdivision aspect of Microfocus and not a separate company whereas EQT has announced that they're going to make it a separate company and it will have like you know more uh, autonomy to make decisions based on like what Susa feels is the best option rather than maybe like we don't know exactly how the interaction between Susa and Microfocus had like there's the, the back end information there's not much there for that but and pot- potentially because of this separation, it could be even, like, it could be better. More more than likely it would be better because of the separation. You have more autonomy for doing it. So the, the chairman of OpenSUSE has wanted, uh, Richard Brown has wanted to say, you know, he wanted to reaffirm that everyone, to let them know that there's no changes that users will be experience at all from the, cha- from the purchase of the EQT purchasing SUSE. It's just, like, it's, so, like, the, every, you won't even notice anything different. And that's definitely a good thing. So... I'm glad to like the fact that they're coming out like, you know, ahead of the time and saying this is definitely something you don't need to worry about. This is actually a good thing. And I think it would be a good thing based on SUSE has been acquired quite a few times. And every single time it seems to improve SUSE over and over. So this is likely just going to help SUSE in general at this point because, you know, every time they've been purchased by another company, like uh, Novell purchased SUSE like a long time ago, then Attachmate Group. Microfocus purchase attachment group, and now EQT is purchasing Sousa from Microfocus, and every single time that happened, it SUSE has just constantly improved. So that's it. so far based on history, it's probably a really good thing. We'll you know we'll see what happens, but I think I'm looking forward to the future and uh, definitely want to talk to uh, Richard more about this. You know the changes that are, might be coming because you know there's so many things I want to talk to Richard about really because OpenSUSE has a lot of cool infrastructures, and it's just, you know, it'd be interesting to have a conversation with him, because, you know, OpenQA is fantastic, and I want to learn more about that. But anyway, if you want to learn more about this acquisition or OpenSUSE, you can check out the link in the show notes. And um, if you are an OpenSUSE user, let me know what you think about this in the comments. Up next in the show is announcements from the the Zubuntu team talking about what's coming in Zubuntu 18.10, which is what's really interesting to me is that instead of reiterating with 4.12 they're going to be focusing on implementing a lot of core components from XFCE 4.13. Now 4.13 is the development branch of the new coming uh, version of 4.14 because they do a even number odd number of beta versus stable. So 4.14 is the stable version where it, like the odd even numbers are stable odd numbers are our development numbers that's the uh, gnome does the same thing as well so 4.13 is the development version of xfce but a lot of cool things are being done in it and most of which in the terms of xfce's thing they 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 take a long time to develop the new versions so most of the time the code in the development version has had a lot of testing and has had a lot of time to, you know, be used to find out if it's if it's usable in the first place. So it's interesting that they decided to use some of that code from the development branch in the next version of Ubuntu of eighteen ten, and they're also going to be working on the more transitioning from GTK two to GTK three, which is very good. Um, and they also said that four fourteen is probably expected to become uh, releasing next year. Uh, my prediction was the end of this year. So, you know, just a hint, maybe you'd want to do it, like, December 29th or something. That'd be good for me. Um, but, anyway, so the next version of Zubuntu is going to have Thunar 1.8. Uh, they're going to update the desktop, the XFCE desktop and panel to the 4.13, as well as the XFCE settings system and Xconf, XFConf. So there's a lot of things coming from in Zubuntu 18.10 that are going, I mean, to be going to use a 4.13. So it's very interesting to see what happens with a release. Because technically, Zubuntu 18.10 will be a stable release, but it's not an LTS release. So it's not like it's not a, any kind of negative that they're doing this. So I definitely want to see what happens with this because it's gonna, it should improve the performance for Zubuntu quite a lot. And I look forward to trying it. And finally in the show this week is Red Core Linux. They've released version 1806 for their new release called Codename Kepler. And th- if you've never heard of Redcore Linux, it is a Gentoo-based distribution. It They've kind of like sort of described it as an accessible way of using Gentoo. So Gentoo is known for being compiling everything yourself, and this is more of a making it easier, more user-friendly to use Gentoo, or a Gentoo-based distribution. So you get many benefits that... Gentoo offers, but not all of the hassles to deal with installing Gentoo. So that's a really interesting thing. Like, There's other ones that do that too, like Sabion and things like that, but I, one of the reasons I like Redcore is that they approach it in an interesting thing of using like up to, like you know, bleeding edge type stuff, and their DE is, their default DE is LXQt. So if you're interested in checking LXQt, that could be an option for you to check out. Uh, they've also done a lot of security aspects of hardening Using the hardened version of the Linux kernel of 4.16.16 as the default kernel. And in this particular release, they, they did a resync with the Gentoo portage tree, so it's more up to date with what Gentoo has. And one of the things that they have that's really interesting is a, they call it like a Swiss Army knife tool, that I think it's a—it's either Vassal, Vassile, Vassile, I don't know. But it's a tool that allows you to have like multiple system modes and switching back and forth between them. And it also has like a system where it automatically detects uh, CPU cores that your system has and makes the portage adjustments so that when you compile, it automatically ap- compiles more accurately to what your hardware can do. So if, you're, if you've never used Gentoo, this could be like a, a nice ease, ease into the process of using the project because you can get used to doing some of the e-builds and stuff like that, but in a more user-friendly way. So I think this is a really interesting idea for, you know, for someone who's interested in trying out Gentoo. It's like a nice, like dipping your toes in the water type thing. So they also announced that they have packaged Plasma 5.12.5 for Redcore. They do not currently have an ISO to use Plasma in the Redcore distribution, but they did say that the next version, they do plan to have a Plasma spin as well. So anyway, if you're interested in checking out, um, you know, like an easy-to-use, user-friendly approach to Gentoo, you should definitely check out Redcore Linux and you'll find a link in the show notes. Thanks for watching this episode of This Week in Linux. If you like what I do here on the show, please like that smash button and be sure to subscribe. If you'd like to support the channel, we have multiple ways you can contribute via PayPal, Patreon, and others by going to slash contribute You can also order the Linux is Everywhere t-shirt by going to touchdigital.com slash Linux is Everywhere. And if you're a patron, remember to get that discount code. If you'd like some more podcasting goodness from me, then check out the latest episode of Destination Linux, as I'm a co-host of that show. Just a reminder, this show is live every Saturday, so join us in the live chat room to discuss all the latest Linux news each week. To find out what the live time is for you in your area, go to touchdigital.com slash This Week in Linux. There you'll find the official time of the podcast live stream, as well as a time zone converter to find out what it is in your area. Thanks again for watching. I'm Michael Tunnell with Tux Digital, and as always, keep using, learning, and enjoying Linux.